How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. As always, so glad that you decided to hang out with us today. For those of you that are brand new to the podcast, maybe you just stumbled upon it, um, welcome. Super glad you're here, man. Uh, we're just a bunch of normal, broken, young dads who are trying to figure out what it looks like for us to fall in love with Jesus and to help our family do the same. So we're all trying to like push each other toward that goal. Uh, we'd love to meet you, like digitally shake your hand. I don't know what that really means, but uh, we probably can't meet in person, but we'd love to meet you online. Um, we have a group on Facebook. There's several thousand of us from all over the world who are trying to take this stuff seriously. So uh, if you haven't come over to that group and uh, introduced yourself and told us about your family and just met some other guys that maybe live around you, um, it, it's a cool place to hang out. What's super weird to me is there's always guys who come and request to join that Facebook group. It's a closed group, so you got to answer a couple questions to get into the group. But what's always weird to me, uh, or I guess not maybe weird's the wrong word, what's fascinating to me uh, is how many guys say that they answer the question saying that they've been listening for years and they just now decided to join the Facebook group, <laughs> uh, which is just very classic. Uh, man, hold on one second while I, this is very real life. We're trying to get the kids ready for bed as I'm recording this and I can hear baby monitors on. So you're going to hear all my kids in the background. Give me one second. All right. Back at you. Uh, we're I'm that tired, man. We've been doing that since day one. You can still probably hear my daughter crying in the background. Uh, from day one of the podcast, I've always been like, I'm not going to do any edits. Whatever you hear is what you hear. Um, there are very, very, very few times where I've made an uh, edit to the podcast. Um, anyway, super glad that you're here. Today, I've got my friend Josh on. Um, Josh, I actually met when I was doing a radio interview back in Arkansas. And uh, I think it was Arkansas. Uh, yeah, it, we did a radio interview. Uh, we were on the same radio station, Family Life Radio, the same day. We, we weren't interviewing together. We were doing separate segments, but we happened to be there the same day. And so we got to hang out and uh, eat a couple meals together. And he and his wife were just like, they blew me away. They're, uh, they're in our peer group, same age and same life stage. They've got young kids, but he's just a stud, man. He and his wife both are just so impressive. But Josh is on specifically today, so I'll talk about him. But he's just super impressive, man. He's got his PhD, which... Like I didn't even like finish community college, <laughs> uh, not to take away from what Josh is doing right now, but I literally only went to community college, uh, so I can stay on my mom's insurance for two extra years right out of high school. And so I was taking like drama and, uh, our choir and n nothing wrong with these, but I was just trying to get easy a, so I can just stay. Uh, I didn't really actually want to put in any hard work in school. I hated school. I'm a terrible student, all that. So I took like all these like guitar intro, drum intro. I've been playing music for my whole life. Anyway, uh, that is not Josh. Josh is a stud. Uh, he's got his PhD. He's a counselor. Uh, he's written several books, um, really, really good books um, on emotional intelligence and emotional safety. He's got one called Safe House, How Emotional Safety is the Key to Raising Kids Who Love, Live, Who Live, Love, and Lead Well. Really, really good book. Uh, he also has this kid's book called What Am I Feeling, which he gave to me when I met him. I, I read it with my kids a lot. Really will help your kids like just process their feelings and emotions. I, you can probably hear my daughter in the background. I'm distracted as a dad right now. You're probably distracted as, as a listener, or maybe you feel right at home. Um, sometimes when I'm on a plane and there's crying kids, uh, it actually makes me feel more at home, like I can fall asleep easier, which I don't know what that says about me as a dad. 
uh, that I can fall asleep to crying babies. Anyway, getting distracted. Josh is stud, uh, author, podcast host. He's even a TV host with he and his wife, uh, Christy. They have a podcast called Famous at Home, which really is what we're going to talk about today on today's podcast is what does it look like uh, when you're crushing it in the world around you, when you feel like you're doing really well at your work or in your hobbies or whatever stage you happen to be on. And yet when you come home, you really feel like you have no actual clue what you're doing, or maybe you do, but you just don't feel like you're doing that well. Josh is going to help us all figure out like, what does it look like for us to be famous at home? really to make every other stage second and uh, less of a priority compared to who we are at home as husbands and as fathers. So sharp guy, really, really just, uh, man, if you're like, anyway, I could go on and on. Uh, You're going to enjoy this interview with my friend Josh. So without further ado, here's Josh Straub. Joshua, super excited to have you on the podcast today, man. I know you're busy, but thanks for taking the time to hang out with us. For the audience who may not be familiar with what you're doing, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Man, Jared, thanks so much for having me. It is a true honor. Um, my wife and I, we have a, um, a ministry and uh, called it's towards families primarily uh, called Famous at Home, and uh, it's changed through the years in terms of what we do or how we do it, but um, we just have resources that really help um, marriages and parents. Um, started uh, a number of years ago, just really looking at how uh, in the early trenches years of parenting, uh, having been a counselor, um, I have my PhD in counseling, so I come from a counseling background, and just really looking at how to survive as a parent and uh you know, hearing all of the, um, you know, you can't even leave your the hospital, as you know, without making a decision about whether or not you're going to give your child an immunization. And then you bounce around from, um, you know, do we breastfeed or bottle feed? Do we private school, homeschool or public school? You know, do we uh, spank or not spank? Do we do time ins or time outs? You know, do we co-sleep or not co-sleep, right? It's like all these major yeah. decisions and you're like, it's so overwhelming. So, uh, I went back to the research and found that there was one primary factor to getting outcomes, that, that the major outcomes, the things that we really desire in our kids, and that was emotional safety. And that really uh, wrote a book on that for parents called Safe House. And um, that was kind of the beginning for us of really serving parents and serving families as we tried to really um, do that ourselves. And so we have a podcast that uh, – uh, called in this together because uh, we're all in this together but um, we're actually in the process right now of changing the name to famous at home because um, we do a lot of coaching with families and leaders primarily of helping people be famous at home so they can thrive on their stages and so so that's what we do in a nutshell um, 60 second who we are yeah man <laughs> what I do we do so I love it and there's so much in there that I want to unpack um, but before we get into that really good wisdom. A couple of weeks ago, I recorded a podcast titled, Should I Have More Kids? And I just want to know like, if you listen to that episode based on our dinner <laughs> conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know what? I need to listen to that episode. Actually, I didn't realize you did that. I need to do that. I'm totally kidding, bro. <laughs> for, the, yeah, for, for the listeners, uh, me and Josh had a chance to grab some dinner in Arkansas and we, oh. I, uh, I teased you about having more kids, man. But anyway, yeah. zero pressure. Oh well, but also tons it of pressure. Was, hey, tons of pressure <laughs> and and decisions and prayers going up for the Straub fam. 
As long as, uh, as long as you somehow incorporate my name into that new baby's name, I'll be happy. That was our agreement, wasn't it? <laughs> and what's crazy about it is we're sitting there. Uh, it wasn't just you, you know, it was our friend David and, uh, both of you have I laid it on, you know, thick. we talked. Oh, you laid it on thick. And both of you happen to have kids with a wide age gap. And yeah. that's where, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, let's dive into this stuff. So you you recently have come up, uh, have developed this, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a curriculum or some stuff that guys can work through, families can work through. But mainly what you've, what you've decided to call it is seven core decisions to be famous at home, um, which I love. But it's before I even ask the question, what's the heartbeat behind the name, Seven Core Decisions to Be Famous at Home? Where did that come from? Yeah, so one of the things that we were looking at doing is, you know, I, I hear this a lot, and it comes out of our coaching, coaching with with other families. And, and one of the things that we um, have found, and I, I get this question a lot, like, you know, especially for men, it's like, tell me how to be famous at home. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Like, what are some steps I can take to be famous at home? And what I realized is I, I thought, you know what, that's a great challenge for me, like to go back. And so what I did was I went back and I started looking at our coaching and I thought, you know, what are we actually coaching people to do? What are we coaching them through? What does our coaching process look like? And that tends to be very subjective based upon, you know, the family themselves, right? Like they're the one driving the coaching and coaching and counseling look very different. I said I was a trained counselor. We now do coaching today and coaching just to kind of give you an idea, like coaching looks more at the present and future, whereas counseling kind of is digging up some of the, you know, uncovering some of the stuff from the past. Mm, We focus primarily. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening right in the here and now and how can we cast vision for your future and how can we help you navigate some, you know, into the future. And, and so, I was looking back at kind of where, where, where families are at and what we do. And what I realized is, is there's no steps that you can actually take. Like, it's not like, you know, you can just do X, Y, and Z and it can be that objective. We're talking about relationships and we're talking about, you know, when you build relationships, it, it can be subjective. And so what we have found is that the, the, the people who are willing to make certain decisions in their life, um, tend to be the ones who are famous at home. They've made certain decisions. And these are the ones that we have found to be kind of the seven core decisions that if you just decide on these principles or these these decisions that you're gonna the steps are gonna fall into place. Everything else is gonna kinda fall into place as you make these decisions. And that's where it comes from. Yeah. So we won't be have a chance to hit all seven of those things today, but um, we'll hit a couple of them. And mainly what we want to focus on is like for the guys that feel like, you know, I'm crushing it at work. I, I kind of know what I'm supposed to be doing at work or at, either as an employee or as an employer, but I don't really know what it looks like to crush it at home, to do really well at home. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, well, well, we hear that all, we hear that a lot. And, and I definitely, especially hear it from guys who can go to work and lead other people, their employers, or they, they manage people, but then they don't feel like they can manage their own home. And, and I think, you know, our, our friend Jeff Bethke talks about this too, just how, you know, the Western world today and, and how we view family in the Western world, um, it, it's not set up for men to succeed. I mean, it's not set up for men to feel like they can um, crush it at home yeah. and that family, you know, instead we're, we're set up more for, um, you know, for success in other places. And so very individualized kind of mentality. And so he talks about that and, and I see that, I see that a lot in our coaching. 
Yeah. Let's dive into a couple of them. Like, so if we, if there's seven core decisions that somebody, a man in this case can make to be famous at home, like, let's just dive into some of them. What's one of them? Yeah. So one of the ways that we start is, is we start with a place of like, what's your, what's your pain point? Like, what is the one area? Because right, like, uh, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot in our coaching is, uh, there's so many pain points, right? There's, it's like, how do we, you know, we're, we're at point A and we look at point Z and it's like, we want to be at point Z, but we have to go B, C, D, E, F, G. There's so many other, you know, and, and one of the, you know, common phrases I use with guys is like, you can't bite an elephant. You can't eat a whole elephant, right? You have to chew it one bite at a time. And so one of the core decisions that we talk about is the very first one is defining your first goal, like your first goal, like one goal, like not making this thing so big, um, for your family that you cannot, um, you know, accomplish it. You have to make it manageable and you have to make it bite size. So at, uh, cause at some point we all get stuck. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what is that one goal? What is that one and, and we bounce it off of our pain point, right? Like, are you feeling disconnected from, from your spouse? Um, you know, are you missing too many special moments with your kids because your career is pulling you away from home? We work a lot with people who travel quite a bit for, for, for their work. Um, it might be that the stress of, or lack of self self care is preventing you from truly being present with those that you love, right? Like you're not taking care of your own body. You're not taking care of yourself. Uh, we see this a lot with moms in particular, like who, who just feel like if I take care of myself, then I'm being selfish. When the reality is, is it's one of the most selfless things that they could be doing for their family to be present with them. So, so there's a number of different things that we say, Hey, you know, what are, what are help people like find their pain point, but then to define their first goal. And, and that first goal might be, you know, um, I'm going to implement that healthy diet or exercise or self-care plan so I can be the best version of myself for my family. Or I will show up for my kids and discover how I can make them feel loved and prioritized. I'm going to show up. Like that's what I, that's, that's an area I need to be doing because I have feel like I've been doing it because I've been focusing on work. So that first one really is, is what is your first goal and taking responsibility for that? I love it. I love it. So that's perfect, man. So then what would be the, like the second thing? What second core decision? Once a guy ha- clearly has, okay, here's one pain point that I have. I want to step up and be a more engaged father and husband. I want to be more present with my wife and kids. Once they got that, like what's the next step? Yeah. So, so the next one would be implementing one new rhythm. So in other words, like finding one new rhythm, uh, what is the one, and again, I'm, I'm focusing on one here because, you know, one of the things that it might be, um, you look at and you you realize that your quote unquote work life balance is, is, is out of, you know, you're out of balance, but we don't believe in balance because balance, um, requires that everybody remains still and that it's never going to happen in a home. Right. Like, so, so we just say based upon that one goal, what is one new rhythm you now need to implement into your life? And for a lot of guys, like for instance, we work a lot with military and, or we work a lot with husbands who are traveling, you know, quite a bit for work and they might not feel that they're, you know, being present with their kids, you know, because they're traveling so much or they feel like they're missing out at home. And one new rhythm might be, we just say, Hey, when you're on the road, um, implement FaceTime for dinner time. 
So you can still have dinner with your kids. You can still have dinner with your family. You're just sitting on a screen. You know, today we have Zoom and we have Skype and we have these new technologies that you're able to actually be present via video with your family in. You know, you can have dinner together. And I'll do that even when I travel to speak and that type of thing. If I'm if I'm by myself and I'm not with my family, I'm zooming in or I'm FaceTiming in and I'm I'm gonna sit with them. Even if it's not my dinner time, yeah. I'm gonna sit with them and do that. So it's finding like what is one just simple way that you can make a decision to start getting back to where you would like to be. Yeah, I love that. So one of the things that I've, I hear you talk about a lot and you this is kind of become one of the things that you're really passionate about is just emotional intelligence. Like, uh, when guys think through emotions, uh, it's a, like I just, someone literally just called into the show this week and left a voicemail talking about how, like, they don't even know how to start beginning to express their emotions to their wife. Um, how much emotional components and like being emotionally healthy and having a high emotional EQ is, do these seven core principles take? Yeah, and that's where it gets into next is once you feel like you've and, and that's why we start with those two that we just started with is you at least it gives you momentum and it gives you a place of where you're starting to feel some some momentum. And then we get into the into the real stuff which is the emotional stuff. So, um, you know, for instance, number 3 is listening to what's happening within your spouse's heart. So this is where we get into the marriage piece. Um this is this is communicating in a way where you can start talking about emotions and 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 it's so we see this so incredibly incredibly important because when I first started speaking on emotional safety uh, a number of years ago in the parenting space, I um, was asked to speak shortly after I wrote my uh, wrote the book on emotional safety. I was asked to speak for Joint Special Operations Command. And so I'm speaking to all these military guys on emotional safety mm. and I was never so nervous to speak in my entire life. Yeah. And what was fascinating is that, um, it, it went really well. And since that time I've been going every year to army ranger battalions, to, uh, air force as well, special operations, um, uh, JSOC to, to train and teach and serve on emotional safety in the home. And the reason is because these guys realize that the very thing they're trained to turn off to survive on the battlefield is the very thing that research and practically experientially speaking, research shows is the very thing they need to turn back on to survive when they step back in the home. Mm. And and that for, for military in particular, it's super, super difficult for them to make that switch and learn how to use emotion to communicate and why it's so valuable. And, and when you start to see the distance that you start to experience with your, with your wife, like you, you understand, you feel why emotions matter and why that emotional language is important. So one of the, you asked the question, how, how, you know, someone called in and asked how they do that. One of the things that we have couples do initially is what we call 15 minutes a day. And that's where we have uh, couples sit together and just take 15 minutes out of the day because it's so easy to want to go to Netflix after the kids are in bed or, you know, to watch a television show or do something mindless. Um, and instead of just running to do those things, 
maybe after the kids are in bed, you take 15 minutes. And sometimes my wife and I are doing this while we're unloading the dishwasher and cleaning up the kitchen. Like it's not like necessarily where you have to sit down and look at each other in the face on the couch and, you know, pour into one. Like, but it's like, it's, it's getting to a place where you can talk using emotional words for the day. So you're not just talking about your day and the business of the day. You're talking about how you felt throughout the day. And the best way to start doing this is to do it neutrally. So instead of bringing up, like bring up feelings that aren't real, especially if you, if the relationship, uh, isn't very strong right now, like your marriage just isn't really strong. One of the best ways to practice this with your spouse is to bring up neutral topics that, that are unrelated, that aren't going to be hot button issues. So in other words, I could say, uh, one of the highlights of my day and one of the happiest parts of my day when I was really happy was connecting with my friend Jared again when we did the podcast together. And, 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 and it was a great sense of purpose because not only were we just chatting together um, as friends, but we were serving a greater purpose by talking about things that mattered. And, and that made me really excited. And, and I was happy during that time. Um, I could also, you know, use negative emotions and, and talk about, you know, a sad part of my day or when I felt disappointed that Christy, my wife may not other, may not otherwise ever even realize or know about my day. If I'm not taking an intentional moment to just use those words with her. And, and what we found is even those neutral things, even those neutral moments, what they do is they give you a deepening respect and understanding of your spouse's world that we don't take time to slow down to otherwise know about our spouse. And so we found that 15 minutes to be really, really powerful. Yeah. I, I imagine that, you know, for guys listening to that one, when you're, when you're sharing that, it reminds me of the book that you wrote for kids. How, what am I, what, how am I feeling or what am I feeling? Yeah. What am I feeling? Yeah, what am yeah, I feeling? Yeah. Which is just, it's such a great, I've read that multiple times with our kids and it's been really, really helpful, but in many ways it's elementary, right? It's just like using these, like articulating these basic emotions that we feel. Uh, I, I hear, I imagine some guys are going to listen to that and be like, man, I know it's so simple, but that sounds so painful to say, like, I feel blank, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, no, sure. But yeah. I imagine that, like, even saying that for, for most of my guy friends, like, to sit down with their wife and say, I feel sad about this today, or I feel happy about this. Super simple, yet really hard to do. And yet, I think that the impact that that would have on their marriage and that how grateful their wife would be to like get a glimpse into their heart that they wouldn't otherwise get a glimpse into would be like a game changer when it comes to marriage. Oh, and it's huge. And, and when I first started realizing this, because, because what it does is it doesn't just give you insight into your own emotions. It gives you insight into your spouse's emotions. So it builds empathy. And, you know, research shows that our ability to label our emotions causes what's called neural neural integration like we're, we're literally rewiring our brain mm. and um a number of years ago the, the clientele that i worked with the most in the counseling world was juvenile delinquents and one of the very first exercises and the very first day that i'd meet uh, a juvenile delinquent that i was going to be counseling is i would give them a feelings chart and which is there's a feelings chart in the what am i feeling children's book you mentioned um i would give them a feelings chart and I would ask them what they were feeling. And a lot of times these juvenile delinquents were court appointed to see me. And the goal was to help them come to a place of remorse over 
their crime and what they did mm. and to have remorse towards their victims. But the problem was for a juvenile delinquent to have remorse, they have to understand and step into what the other person was feeling. And in most cases, it's very difficult to know what another person is feeling if you can't recognize your own feelings. Mm. You know, Jesus Jesus says, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That means we can only love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, so that, that we have insight into who we are. Mm. And uh, biblically speaking, I mean, you go back and it says, you know, by First John says, you know, we love because— he first loved us. So our ability to receive the Father's love is very profound and very crucial to our ability to step into the shoes of another person and to love another person. And so uh, just paying respect to yourself to say, you know what, I, I have this feeling and I recognize this feeling and, and I can verbalize this feeling when we can verbalize our own feelings, it gives us the ability to recognize what those closest to us are feeling. And, it, and and that's why emotional safety is so huge because when we have that ability, what we're doing is we're passing that ability on to our wives who feel unbelievably empathized with and connected to with us. And then onto our kids who learn that, yeah, they have emotions, but how they act in those emotions and their ability to recognize their emotions also helps them to love other kids around them and be good friends. Wow. That's super powerful, man. That's like what I took away from that is one of the most loving things I can do for my wife and kids. One of the ways I can serve them best is to actually start to get in tune with the things that I'm feeling personally. A hundred percent. I think it's, it's, I think it's a, 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 an unrecognized, I think it's very unrecognized and one of the most unrecognized ways that we can serve and love other people is to, to, to really serve ourselves. And, and that's, and, and that's, that sounds crazy because it can sound very like, you know, oh my God, you know, I'm going to focus on myself and I'm going to take care of myself, but, but that's not, you know, it just doesn't stay there. I think a lot of times in our culture, it's just all about us and it's about, but, but that's not what biblically speaking, it's about knowing ourselves, but then how does a deeper knowledge of who we are lead us to love others deeper? That's, so that's where we're going with it. That's, that's what Jesus is telling us to do. That's so good. Super fascinating, bro. Because like you talked about working with the military and like, you're literally trained, like set those things aside uh, so that you could stay uh, focused on the mission at hand. Right. And that's like a pretty extreme example, but I think, I mean, the argument could be made that like we're all kind of subconsciously or subtly being trained that as men, uh, even as young boys, like man up, like these little statements that are we're told and that we see like, you know, man up, don't be so emotional, stop crying, all this kind of stuff. So whether it's in the military or just a normal dude, like it really is a rewiring of our thinking to like tap into the things that we're feeling and then to like express them and be conscious of them. Yeah, hundred percent. I think we've been. I, I think, generally speaking, you know, as men, we're trained not to focus on. Our, you know, most so many of us are grown up told, being told not to cry. You know, yeah. and um, to give you a, an example here, from a leadership perspective, from a just even from a um, 
yeah, from a leadership perspective, Google did a, uh, a massive study about their hiring process a number of years ago, about two years ago. They did a, a, they wanted to study their hiring process to see if it was working. And at the time, they were hiring for the hard skills, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It was the STEM skills, because that makes sense, right? It's Google. But what they found in their study was that for their top employees and their most productive teams within Google, the hard skills were coming in dead last. Mm. Wow. And instead, the top three skills of their employees, of their top teams, in order were emotional safety, number one, emotional intelligence, number two, and empathy, number three. Wow. So it was those soft skills that have now become a priority for a lot of major companies in hiring their top leaders. Because what they found is that you can teach hard skills, you can teach science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, but what a lot of times is very difficult to teach on the job is soft skills. So in other words, are we valuing people's ideas? Are we working together as a team? Um, are we not, you know, being passive aggressive and how we communicate with one another? You know, do people feel genuinely safe and like they're valued within the workplace? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that that emotional awareness was critical in the productivity of those teams. That's super fascinating. I one of the things that came to mind or the questions that came to mind is like for the guy that says well, I'm just not emotional, right? Like I'm just, I, I'm not an emotional guy. I look at my wife and she seems to be able to express her emotions. She's pretty emotional. I'm pretty stable. I'm not emotional. Like, can this be learned? Like, can you learn to be emotional and to be, have a high emotional EQ? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and what you find is that, uh, and what I find is this is start at the very basic place of sitting down with your spouse and just communicating your emotion. And and if you have to, this is where the What Am I Feeling Children's book comes into play for parents too. Um, wasn't intended, but indirectly it helps us as parents too yeah. because you can you can hang the feelings chart up um, on your refrigerator. It's a poster size. You can hang it in your kid's room or whatever. But I think even for us as, as, as men to have a feelings chart of some kind, you can print them off online or wherever, just to have it near us, just to say, because a lot of times even I don't totally recognize what I'm always feeling, you know? And so to be able to point to a feelings chart and say, man, in this moment, what am I feeling right now? Um, it, it's really powerful. And the way that I've used that, by the way, in my own, as a dad is there's situations where I might, um, you know, I've had work situations in the past where speaking of passive aggressive, you know, I get passive aggressive emails from a boss or I would, you know, be feeling like I wasn't, you know, connecting it, you know, um, in a particular job and I would be at a crossroads and I'd be like, what should I do in this situation? Feeling down, feeling depressed, feeling whatever that is that I'm feeling. And one of the core questions I've now asked myself is, what advice would I be giving my kids in this situation? Like if my kids were ever feeling this way, what advice would I be giving them? And what decision can I make right now to make sure that I don't have to put my kids in the same predicament where they have to be making the same, same decision in the future. Mm. So, and, and, and if we're the more aware we become of our feelings what a gift it is to make sure that you stop even generational patterns or that type of thing because now all of a sudden you're aware of your own feelings in particular moments 
and you're making decisions that benefit your kids in the future. Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the, th- the key things, um, obviously you're the much better expert in this area than I am, but I think one of the key things for guys is to recognize like, it's not that you're not emotional or you don't have feelings. You've just learned to like compartmentalize them and tuck them away. Like we're humans, right? Like we're going to feel, you're feeling things. You just don't have, maybe haven't learned how to completely express those or articulate those or even be aware uh, and kind of put names to those feelings. So I like the idea of like the chart up, not just for your kids, but for you too. Like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. I didn't even recognize it. Yeah, you have feelings. The question is, is what are you doing with them? Yeah. And eventually, you know, it'll catch up to you if you're not paying attention to them or if you're suppressing them in some way. I mean, a lot of us numb them out. I mean, that's that's typically what we do, you know, whereas our our toddlers are throwing temper tantrums and they're acting out and, and we're like, Oh my goodness, like my kid's acting out like this is crazy. Like I got to put him in his place or I got to make sure that he's not going to be, you know, that my children aren't going to be acting like this. When the reality is, is we act the same way. We just, act, we just do it. It just, uh, manifests itself in socially acceptable ways. Mm. So, you know, our kids are having emotions for the first time ever in their lives. And just like they don't know the color blue and they have to learn to label the color blue and red and orange and differentiate colors, so too they have to learn to put labels to experiences that they're having in their bodies. Mm. And if we if we come to a place where we punish that, they learn to suppress it too. Mm. Well, it's not okay to feel this way. You know, and what we do is we end up sending our kids the message that, you know, only happiness is what they're allowed to be feeling. Wow. And so maybe they learn to then suppress every other emotion. I don't, you know, I'm not allowed to feel angry. I'm not allowed to feel sad. I'm only allowed to feel happy. So kids will learn to suppress and do stuff with all that. And what ends up happening is then we become adults who we numb out. I mean, figure out any one of our idols or addictions that we have in life, right? I mean, you know, whether it's pornography or alcoholism or uh, it's good things too, by the way. I mean, those are, I mean, we become workaholics or, you know, we, 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 um, you know, drown ourselves in Instagram or on social media or we go to Netflix and we binge watch TV. We're, we're, we're dealing with our emotions in some way, Mm. whether unhealthy or healthy. What would you say? So, dude, so that was, that's so good. Uh, what I'm going to get real practical here. Your son, your daughter starts to feel super angry. They have an outburst of anger. What we don't want them to feel is like angry emotions are bad. I love the way you say that. Like the only emotion that's appropriate or approved of in our home is, you know, happiness. We don't want to send that message subconsciously. So for you and your family, what does it look like when your kids do have a temper tantrum? They're feeling those emotions, you know, for the first time. How do you handle anger uh, or sadness, these big emotions that your kids might have that might be perceived as negative? Yeah. One of the big things, one of the most important first things to do is to realize not to lecture to them in their overwhelmed emotion. Mm. Like that's the fight, flight, or freeze response going off. That's the amygdala uh, in the brain that's going off during that moment. And we can't think straight when that's going off. So anytime we're emotionally overwhelmed or we're angry, having someone lecture at us, it's just going to not even go in one ear and out the other. It's not even going to go in one ear. It's just going to land on dead ears because we're not listening. So so getting our children to calm down during those moments is one of the very first things that, that's important. And so whether that's um, putting them in a timeout, whether that's doing a time in, however that looks, um, getting your child to calm down 
taking deep breaths. One of the things we do is we'll have our kids count to three, take a deep breath, that type of thing, just to get them to calm down. So that's where it starts. And then getting them to be able to describe where they're angry or what they're angry at, who they're angry at. Like, and again, this isn't like they're not, we're not asking them to give us a, a, you know, a speech. It's just like, what makes you angry? Like what, why are you angry? And try to using the word what rather than why, Mm. so that it doesn't put a child on the defensive. Like what, what's making you angry right Mm. now? You know, well, it's because my sister did this. Okay. So, Okay, so your sister did X, Y, and Z, and that's why you're angry. Um, what one of the things that we do is we understand that that's that's the anger. Um, we have to learn to separate the emotion from the anger, or the emotion from the behavior. Yeah. So, in other words, if our children are angry, that's not that's not wrong. What's wrong is when I hit my sister because I'm angry. Right. Now, now what we want to do is we want to discipline the the behavior not the emotion and so it's just so as long as there's no misbehavior what we're doing is we're teaching our kids how to manage their anger you know managing my anger means i don't just scream to the top of my lungs um instead what's another way that you can learn when your sister's bothering you your sister does something you don't like or your brother for that matter what is it that you can do differently in your anger when you're, when you're, when you're angry, you know? And so we just help them understand, like, maybe it's go to my room. Maybe it's, you know, walk away. Maybe it's go talk to, you know, to someone else. Maybe it's go read a book, that type of thing. Like what are other ways we can manage our anger? And, um, you know, even more practically than that, if, if, if we want to go even deeper, sometimes what we'll do is we'll do, it's called the chair, uh, the, a chair exercise where, Anger a lot of times is a is a primary or is a secondary emotion. Yeah. And what we'll do is we'll do this two chair thing where we'll sit one chair in the front and, and another chair in the back, especially with sibling rivalry, this works really well. Is an empath it, it builds empathy. Is the front chair represents the anger. And so we have our kids sit in that. My wife and I do this too, by the way, when we're mad at each other. Mm-hmm. Um is we'll sit in that front chair and say, I'm angry because, right? I'm angry because of the way I, um, you know, you spoke to me, you know, whatever that looks like, I'm angry. And the reality is, is what, what about the chair behind it? And then we'll have our child or even my wife and I will go to that chair behind it and say, what's, what's re- what are you really feeling underneath that anger? And the reality is, is it's probably like I felt rejected because you didn't want to play with me. I wanted you to play with me and you didn't want to play with me. And I felt rejected. Um, I felt disappointed that, um, you know, you took my toy and you weren't sharing with me. I, you know, the disappointment, rejection, sadness, there's something deeper behind the anger. Mm -hmm. It's just that the anger is what we present ourselves with. And so, um, sometimes depending on the age of your children, sometimes your children might be too young to even go there. But depending on the age of your children, that's a very practical exercise to begin to get your kids to understand what's really going on behind their anger as well. So just to be clear, it's the two chairs for one person, and they start in the front one, and then that's their first emotion, which is usually anger, and then they go and sit in the second one and talk about what the second emotion is. Yeah, and you sit them right one right in front of the other. So you don't even sit them beside each other. Right. You sit them one in front of the other like you would your car, right? right? Like the one's in the front seat, the other's in the back seat. It's it's the same thing with my wife. If 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 
you know, I say something and, or she doesn't like the way that I didn't, you know, do something. She comes at me in anger. That's the driving emotion. And so what's really going on underneath it. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of times where she's just, or I'll be angry or she'll be angry. And when we're calmed down, one of our questions to one another is, is what was in the second chair? What's, what's really going on? And when we're calmed down, that's for us, that's our empathetic way of going, I care about what's underneath there. Help me understand, help me understand it. Yeah. One way that Layla and I, one question we ask each other that's similar to that is like, what's the story that you're telling yourself there? Or like, what story are you <laughs> believing? And yeah, because uh, we usually come at it, like you said, with that first emotion, but then there's like, there's an actual story that I've created in my mind that I've started to believe. And, uh, that you know, that's I feel such I feel rejected, or I feel sad that you're not doing this, or I feel lonely, or whatever it is. But there's usually something much deeper than that first driving emotion. I love that man. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 being able to take our kids to that same level. Yeah, I think it's important that we do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's my challenge for our listeners. Uh, first one is go buy your book. What am I feeling? You've got a few great books. I haven't read all of them in full disclosure. I need to pick them all up, but uh, I have read What Am I Feeling? And it was wonderful. I've read it with the kids multiple times. Uh, And like you said, there's there's an actual poster in there that gives the emotion chart. So my challenge would be twofold. Number one, go pick up that book for you and your kids to read. And two, put that emotional chart up somewhere. And I would even say for the guy that just feels like he sucks at articulating his emotions and sharing his emotions, I would just say, have the guts to like go to your wife and say, Hey babe, I know that like in the past I've sucked at like sharing my emotions, but as a spiritual leader of our home, I'm, I'm committed to getting better at this. So I'm just going to start pointing out on this chart, like what I'm feeling. And I may sound like a five-year-old, but I'm going for it because I want to be better at this for the sake of our family. I think that, man, dude, how much respect do you have for that guy? that says that, that, that has the humility to say, this is something I want to grow in because I love my family enough to serve them in this way. Man, that's it right there. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So that's my challenge, guys. Go pick up the book. So good. Uh, and uh, to have the guts to tell your wife, this is something you're going to pursue for the sake of laying your life down for your wife and your kids. Josh, so grateful, bro. This was so good. We need to have you back on because I know that we've only tapped into like 1% of your wisdom. But thanks for hanging out today, man. I appreciate it so much, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. To learn more about the seven steps to be famous at home, go to famousathome.com. Love you guys. See you next week. Later.